Hi, folks. I think uh, I think we're about ready to get going. Apologies. That is the we've been we've been harping on about getting some entry music um, so that it's not this really uncomfortable uh, five minute just everybody being quiet before the webinar kicks off. And um, that was music that was a little bit more upbeat than I'd anticipated. So um, everyone can now turn your speakers back up and back on, hopefully. Um, so yeah. So uh, thank you everyone for joining us today. Um, we are. This is our thirteenth um, digital drop-in in the series we've been running over the past few weeks. It's our second um, weekly guest speaker drop-in, and today we've got uh, affiliate marketing um, con conglomerate monsters, um, specialists, global <laughs> leaders, uh, <laughs> and we've got a couple of uh, a couple of their uh, client partners on who specialise. Um, so first we've got Joel Hillman. Um, welcome, Joel. Thank you. Um, Joelle, Joelle will introduce herself and a little bit about Airwin and, and what those guys do and the value they can add to our attendees today and, and, and hopefully be sharing some of the trends from um, some of the sector specialisms that those guys uh, focus on, which I think for Joelle is uh, retail and travel. And we also have um, Alex uh, Palmer-Yi. Have I pronounced that right, Alex? Yeah, yeah, that's uh, yeah, better than uh, other ones I've had. But yeah, hello. <laughs> awesome. Good to have you with us, Alex. Um, Alex is client partner for Airwin, and Alex specializes in uh, finance and, and telecommunications. Um, and along with that, we've also got MediaWorks um, head of paid search, who also oversees all of our affiliate marketing, Ben Homer. Do you want to say hello, Ben? Yeah, morning, everyone. Um, so, yeah, so I suppose following on from last Thursday's session where we had uh, Critio um, in and, and the programmatic guys sharing some of their insight. Today, um, Airwin, who are a, a MediaWorks partner in a, a global affiliate platform with over, I think, 230,000 contributing publishers and about 16,500 advertisers globally, um, are going to be supporting us and just sharing some insights that they've seen across their business, their network over the past um, six, eight weeks of, of this uh, kind of crazy COVID corona situation we sort of find ourselves in. Um, so, uh, if we want to sort of crack on, I suppose, first point, yeah, just, just introductions, please. I suppose, Joel, if you want to kind of tell us a bit more about, about you guys, affiliate marketing, Airwin, and, and, and both your roles in the business. Yeah, perfect. Um, so, thanks for having us today. My name's Joel, and I'm, as you mentioned, the client partner at Airwin, specialising in retail and travel. Um, I've actually been at AWIM for nearly 10 years, um, so a long history in affiliate marketing specifically. Um, I started within our publisher services team, which supports our publishers directly, and then moved into our key accounts department, looking after some of the biggest brands in the UK um, and overseeing that department, and then recently moved into our brand new client partnerships department. So it's been live for about three months now. And our focus is just to make sure we really understand the key sectors that you referenced there. So what's happening within the wider retail and travel space for me, not just specifically within affiliate marketing, but across all channels and uh, the high street when that is back up and running as well. Cool. Alex, do you want to give us a, a, an introduction to yourself and your role? Yeah. Um, so yeah, similar to Joel. Um, yeah. So I'm yeah I'm the client partner for Telecoms and Finance. Um, so I've been I've been here a bit less time than Joel. I've been here for six years, um, but worked across a number of advertisers, um, both small and medium uh, advertisers as well as uh, some large ones. So including a, a number of telco um, brands such as the BD Group um, and some in the finance sector like Post Office and uh, Viva. Um, but yeah, as I said, uh, yeah, as as Joel said, our, our roles are are really focused on. 
um, on obviously yeah the sector and providing those insights um, there. We we partner with a number of our, our sort of key clients and um, within these sectors, and I think we're really proud of the reach that we have across retail, travel, finance, and telecoms. Uh, working obviously on some of the the largest affiliate programs in the UK um, as well as globally, and um, yeah, and, and I think our, our job here is to really help empower. Um, our advertisers, our partner and publishers, um, as well as obviously the client services teams that work on these accounts to really be able to go and utilize, I guess, the rich network data that we're, we're capturing um, and, and being able to execute, I guess, strategies that really sort of align with um, the business objectives um, of our clients. Um, just for an introduction to AWIN for those who've, who've not worked with us before. Um, so we're, we're um, uh, yeah, a global affiliate marketing network. Um, we sort of uh, sort of a combination of, of uh, the Xanox Group, who were founded in 1997, and Affiliate Window, who uh, were founded, I think, in in sort of 1999. Um, and yeah, so they we we merged a number of years ago and became Awin, um, and have since then also uh, grown through acquisitions of uh, the likes of Affilinet, um, who were a European affiliate network, and ShareASale, who are a US affiliate network, and most recently Commission Factory, who operate in the APAC regions. Um, we have 15 uh, office locations worldwide, but uh, generate sales in uh, over 96 countries. Um, and yeah, and and I said, yeah, we work across a number of uh, uh, sort of territories. Um, I think obviously affiliate marketing is is quite can be quite different between territory and ter- to territory. Joel and I focus um, on the UK market uh, particularly, but uh, again, obviously collaborate with um, with our colleagues there. Um, there um, in, in, in sort of the other offices as well. Cool. Um, great. So, I mean, I, I suppose we've, we've probably got a lot of seasoned affiliate marketers uh, as attendees today, but, but we've definitely got a few newbies on there. So just for anybody who, who isn't, you know, hugely au fait with affiliate marketing and, and, and types of uh, value that, that a platform like Awin can provide to both publishers and advertisers, would one of you guys be able to sort of just share, share that yeah. with us? Yeah, so I guess affiliate marketing, just to summarize it, and uh, Joel, feel free to jump in if, if, if I'm missing anything here. But I think in the most simple, simplest forms, it's 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 uh, online performance marketing, but it's working, uh, I guess, mostly on a, a cost per acquisition model or a cost per action model. So um, I imagine a lot of people are familiar with uh, uh, sort of channels where you're paying either upfront for media uh, inventory or paying on a, on a click or an impression basis. Um, affiliate marketing works where the uh, commission paid to a publisher um, is is based on on either a sale or in some cases leads or other actions on the site. Um, so yeah, so we're we're connecting advertisers with publishers um, and what how a what AWIN do. So we provide the tracking um, and the reporting suite for that. So we've got a really user friendly user interface. Um, so it's really easy to to obviously manage your program, set uh, sort of the commission rates on a product or a publisher basis. Um, and um, also obviously manage which publishers you're working with and approve new partners there, um, as well as obviously access uh, reporting sort of instantly. Um, so you can just make those decisions really quickly. So, um, yeah, and and I guess what, what the role of our, us is, uh, so we, we, as well as providing the technology, uh, we also provide uh, the service as well. So we've got a, a huge client services team, uh, both in the UK and globally. Um, and I guess what we're, what we're there to do is we obviously affiliate marketing is all we do. It's, it's always specialized in. And so therefore we, we obviously like to consider ourselves, I guess, experts there. Um, we are the market leaders um, sort of in Europe. Um, and I think one of the biggest uh, worldwide um, from that side. So we 
Um, and, and with that wealth of experience, I guess we we're obviously able to advise on, I guess, the the sort of the best strategies really to take there. Um, we can provide uh, benchmarking on a per sector basis because we're capturing uh, this sales data. Um, so I know it's really, really valuable to our uh, advertisers. Um, on the technology side, um, we also, um, also, as well as providing tracking, like the basic tracking and reporting, we, we're also um, there to obviously move the industry forwards as market leaders. So um, we, we also bring uh, sort of new tracking technologies to the market um, to go and ensure that, um, I guess, affiliate tracking is able to operate um, in, a, in a way which also is, is pretty data light compared to uh, some of your other channels. So we're, because we're capturing just the, the sale information there, we're not, we're not necessarily doing customer profiling. So we're quite a data light channel, which I know um, has definitely been sort of uh, one of our, one of the areas that, that's really allowed the channel to grow as um, concerns there. But yeah, we've, we've introduced um, a number of uh, solutions as well that um, help mitigate uh, some of the sort of co- uh, the cookie changes that have been happening on browsers as well. So we've uh, a l- number of innovations there. So uh, yeah, so I guess we're sort of a hybrid tech and service sort of uh, model. Okay. Cool. Um, in terms of, I mean, I suppose one thing that would be really interesting today in, in one of the key areas that we wanted to chat about was just um, what a big question we're getting asked from all of our clients and on and, and a lot of these digital drop-in sessions is is kind of like what are we seeing, what trends are we seeing, what 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 data do we have access to that can help people inform kind of maybe yes what has happened over the past six weeks, but what are we anticipating is kind of going to happen over the next six weeks. So, what's kind of across your two hundred thirty thousand publishers and you know almost twenty thousand advertisers, what kind of trends have you been seeing across channels or industries over the past? you know three four weeks and and also what kind of actions would you maybe recommend for attendees today to be thinking about moving forward into the next kind of three four weeks and yeah. joel alex whoever you want whichever either one you want to jump in first you can, you can take that yeah. and then, then uh yeah. joel do you want to jump in first yeah i suppose i can kick off with the retail landscape um i suppose just because it is so vast and um, fascinatingly at the moment the changes that we're seeing in the data is is changing every day and every week at the moment um, throughout March we were tracking the changes in different sectors as a result of the government announcement so we saw some really core trends so the day that the um, the pubs and restaurants shut we saw an influx of wine and alcohol sales up on the network 300% that day um, versus a similar day the previous year but also um, same across other retail sectors. So the day that the gym shut, we actually saw fitness equipment sales go up about 50% and the AOV was going up about 40% as well. So people were investing in really big equipment. So the likes of treadmills and rowers because they they couldn't access their local gyms. Um, And we saw a similar trend the day the school shut as well. So I think that that first Monday when all of the parents had their children at home, we saw book sales go up, toys um, and other gaming sales go up. So, yeah, really interesting to start to, to track that activity. Um, throughout March, actually, so obviously the, the food sector is doing really well, but the biggest sector we see across retail is clothing. And in March, we saw clothing struggle. So it was down probably about 11% versus the previous year. And year to date, it had been trending up. So it was quite a big drop. Um, but actually, the bank holiday weekend, I'm not sure if it was the, the sunshine or just consumers wanting to get back to a bit more of normality in terms of shopping habits. 
But April bank holiday weekend, we started to see clothing boom again. Um, that weekend alone, women's wear, men's wear and sports wear specifically was up largely. And actually, as we get towards the end of April, we can see that um, month on month, clothing's up substantially, like 30, 40 percent. Actually, year on year, it's also trending up two to three percent, which is really impressive comebacks compared to the sales performance that we saw in March. Yeah, I think we've we've um, been there's a there's a client uh, the footwear client we've been working with recently, and um, they've they've been outstripping year on year performance digitally over the past past sort of two three weeks. And uh, I think it, you know I think our message this was in a, a couple of sessions previously was you know the audience is absolutely still there and, and are still in that kind of buy mode and decision mode and in in all the data seems to be trending. It's great to hear you guys supporting that of is that, you know, yeah. customers are there, they're coming back. And, and there was a dip in March, but I think a lot of those traditional digital industries are, 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 are they're buying again. You know, the audience is there. Yeah. So it's, if the proposition and product's right, then the opportunity's there, I think. Yeah, I think, that yeah. This, like you say, this was, sorry, and this was something that we, we did speak about over the, the last couple of sessions. And, and, you know, my kind of thought process on it was, you know, we, we knew we were going to be in, in kind of a lockdown for, for three weeks and everyone goes into a bit of a panic mode and, you know, we don't really know where we can spend money because we're, we're spending it on food and pasta and flour, which you couldn't get anywhere. Um, <laughs> and yeah, after after it kind of got extended, I think people, as time went on, they realised, you know, the, the, the kind of implications and the things that were put in place, it wasn't going to be this mad rush to the shop anymore and you were going to be able to go and get pasta and buy a bag and not have to worry about it and, and that kind of thing. So that kind of eased people's minds a little bit, allowing them to have a bit more flexibility with the finances. And I think that's one of the, the kind of key reasons that we're starting to see the, these upturns over the last kind of two weeks. Yeah. I mean, in terms of, um, so I'll, I'll go into some sector trends that I've seen for telco and finance, but um, I've got some sort of general network stats as well, which might be interesting. But um, yeah, I mean, for... Within um, within telecoms, yeah, there was definitely also that panic buying spike, I think, when everyone was told to lock down. I think um, normally, I guess, like some people probably mostly use their sort of broadband connections mostly just for personal usage. And I think as people were realizing that the importance of obviously having a really good internet connection um, whilst you've got multiple people um, on Zoom calls and some of potentially the kids watching Netflix and stuff, there was probably like a big push and whoops in telecoms where we're really we're really sort of lucky because we actually have um, sort of like full coverage of that market. And we, we saw obviously like these huge spikes really. Um, so normally um, in, in at the start of the year, the big spikes um, in telecom sales in January when everyone sorts their finance out. But um, the spikes in March were, were sort of up to 20% uh, on a per day basis, bigger than, than sort of the January spikes and stuff like that. So there was an initial spike. Um, and I think it probably also wasn't helped because I guess there was there was uncertainty on how it affected telecoms operationally. So a lot of telcos, I think they they weren't necessarily restricting orders, but um, it dipped a little bit, um, spiked. I think once there was, um, I think just before Ofcom, uh, not Ofcom, OpenReach put restrictions on broadband connections. But um, but now actually the market it is relatively. Um, the, I, I wouldn't say. If you if you actually looked at the the figures for the broadband market in isolation, it would be quite difficult. You'd be quite hard pressed to see um, any sort of not, notable sort of impacts of of the coronavirus. And I think um, I think that that obviously shows that I think yeah, there's there's certain products which I think are essentials or people are thinking about and uh, are continuing to buy um, regards to the situation. I think it's a little bit different in the finance data. So. 
within insurance, it was it's been a bit fluctuating. So before the uh, pandemic was declared, there was big spikes in travel insurance. Obviously, as people got more and more worried about the things there. But then as soon as that happened, I think it's, it's now plummeted to zero because of the a lot of advertisers have called back um, within that space. That being said, on other insurance products, so like the general insurance products like car and home, um, they, they, they've been flat. And then I think they are starting to trend down now that people probably are... Um, Either they've they've sorted out their finances there, or they're not necessarily thinking about moving house and buying an, a new home insurance policy or buying a new car, which often tends to be the big drivers there. Um, but that being said, um, health and life insurance did see a little bit of an increase, but I think that's again it's now flattening out as well. So those markets appear to be a bit more normal, I think, and less um, sort of panic driven than than retail um, following the spikes there. Um, yeah, have, have you seen Alex? Any we, funny enough, we were just chatting about insurance before because um, I've I, I was one of those really weird people that decided to move house two weeks before lockdown okay. um, <laughs> for, for reasons outside of my control. So um, the reason I'm kind of in the office today, just on my own, isolating, um, it's um, because my Wi-Fi signal is horrific at home, and the earliest yeah. I can get an open reach engineer there is like second of June. So yeah, it's um, so I'm, but also be home insurance things like that. So I've kind of went through some of these processes recently, and um, yeah, I suppose it just got me thinking. You know, what does that hold in store for these these large insurance businesses over the coming sort of three, four, five months? You know, in terms of if people are, you know, these kind of rolling lockdown type things, and, and if people just aren't as active in that market, is that going to be detrimental? Do you think, or are they going to find ways to support clients in, in different ways? Yeah, I think it, it, it's 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 a difficult one because I think it's also about getting that messaging right. And I think I think there's I think like the with some products, I think like as to like travel insurance, yeah, you've generally just had to pull back. I've you've definitely seen some initiatives. So I know I think like Admiral are, are, are sort of rebating some money back to their customers because I think people are driving less and and stuff like that. So there, there's obviously retention speeds. I think within the channel. I guess the the thing is we within the channel we're, we're a lot of the the publishers um, and you obviously mentioned yeah the, the hundreds of thousands of publishers but a lot of them obviously their their content sites or their sites that are really helping consumers research the products that um, that and, and and really make informed decisions in terms of that so there's comparison websites you've got obviously incentive sites that help consumers save money so like cashback sites or points uh, collecting sites and stuff like that um, as well as just pure content sites and. I think um, the brands that are still engaged in the channel, I guess what they've sort of seen is there's a real importance in, in helping inform consumers in this time. I think people probably do have a bit more time to do research um, um, at home in terms of there and, and then probably are thinking if, if you have had, maybe you've had a, an insurance policy for a long time and you may be like, oh, how do I manage this to be more sort of cost efficient or stuff there? I think people are doing the research and I think that's how I think affiliates can really help is you can you can be there as like a, a helping hand um, for your for your for the consumers out there in the market and be be present there because I think yeah I don't think there's anything bad in, in in sort of being there to help your consumers and I think it's as long as you're messaging it correctly um, which I imagine is, is is a topic that I think a lot of different uh, channels are speaking about as well at the moment. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, it's worth just noting as well, sorry for any attendees, if you want to just, uh, any questions you've got for the guys, myself, Ben, feel free to just use the Q&A panel at the bottom and we'll, we'll jump to those at the end. 
Um, one of the other areas that I was thinking about, um, and, and Joel, this might be something for you to think about in terms of, are you guys seeing anything across different types of um, sort of geographies and locations? Because I know certain parts of the UK even have, have been hit sort of more aggressively than other parts and, and lockdowns have maybe been a bit more stringent or more strictly adhered to in certain areas. Um, have you seen anything from the retail sector around that where people are behaving differently? Predominantly across the UK and actually across most of the territories that we work in, a lot of the trends have been quite similar. Even when we're looking at the US landscape a lot and um, the other European territories, a, a lot of the trends have been the same in terms of the products and the sectors in which people are purchasing or people are not purchasing as well. Um, I suppose the, the difference across different territories has been timing. So we, as we've monitored different lockdown times across different countries and territories, we are seeing those trends start to emerge in the, in the same pattern in the same way. Um, I've been trying to keep an eye on some of the territories that are starting to ease up just to see if we can begin to predict what's going to happen in the UK as and when we start to, to lift as well. So um, I had a look at some um, Italy stats this morning. So Italy started to um, loosen some lockdown rules. And um, earlier this week, so I think it was on Monday that they announced that phase two of that um, easing off the lockdown will um, go live next week. Um, on that day, we actually saw travel sales um, rise by about 90%. So when I was looking at the percentages, it seemed pretty impressive. But then when you look at the numbers, that's still very, very small volumes. Um, looking at a, So it was 90% month on month, sorry, from March to April. So the volumes were still low, but it's still quite positive to see that we are starting to see some movement in those territories. So, yeah, my plan is now to really keep an eye on what's happening and those that open sooner to allow us to start to predict what's going to happen in the UK. I think there's yeah. so many learnings that we're going to be able to take. I know, I mean, like if you, you know, what you were saying, Joel, about, you know, um, countries that potentially might be be easing off the likes of Italy, you know, we could also see the adverse effect of that. So, you know, Germany kind of contained it very, very well. And they started to, to kind of loosen the, the lockdown restrictions a little bit. I mean, the one thing I was really excited about was football was coming back for a little bit. And that <laughs> might not even be the, well, that might not be the case anymore because Germany are thinking about retightening the lockdown restrictions because, their cases have yeah. started to spike again. So while that, you know, the 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 numbers of deaths might not be that high, the infection rate is starting to creep back up. And I think just depending on what each each country decides to do is going to have a quite a big impact on on what these trends start to look like. Yeah, I mean, generally, like looking across the network, though, we are still we are seeing activity sort of on the app within the channel. So I think last we're actually seeing like a twenty five percent increase on the amount of commission spent in the channel at the moment. So I think there there definitely is an investment coming in uh, to the channel. I think yeah, um, I think part of it is obviously just the fact that there's a lot more e commerce going on. So I think like the ONF said, I think like twenty two percent of um, sales last month were were online, which I think is the highest it's ever been. Um, but yeah. yeah, it's it's quite interesting. I think yeah, we had a we had a chat with um, with uh, a couple of weeks ago where where we were looking at just new types of audiences coming online as well and, and kind of being forced online, but almost creating these new lifelong habits where people aren't necessarily gonna gonna go back. So it feels like you know I know just speaking to my wife's parents who are kind of um, sort of in their sort of late fifties and, and early sixties and they you know have purchased online are happy to purchase online, but it, it wasn't a massive part of their life. Actually, over the past six, eight weeks, everything they've done has been online. It's been really useful. It's been really easy. And I think 
they, they, they're just an example of people who now moving forwards will be doing so much more e-commerce and, 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 and are comfortable ordering their weekly shopping online and having it delivered and not needing like feeling like they need to go to the store, et cetera. You know, so I think there's a whole swathes of, of kind of that sort of Gen Z and kind of baby boomer world who are kind of going to just be much more digitally comfortable to do things online. Yeah. That's got to be a positive yeah. thing for all kind of retailers. Yeah, yeah, I think that story is almost twofold as well. So I think we've um, we've built habits within consumers. So like you said, that they're migrating to more online, um, especially within the grocery sector. Generally, we see if you repeat that online grocery journey about five times, so five weekly shops, you're almost hooked on that journey and you won't go back to the high street. So yeah, we've been in lockdown for more than five weeks now. So the chances of those guys going back to store is, is slim to none. Um, but also we've had to, as retailers, people have had to speed up. So it's it's been a huge part of most retailer strategy to be moving their businesses online. Um, even like the, the Shop Direct group, we've seen get rid of their catalogs over the last 10 years, but just generally moving brands from high street onto online. And that's ha- been really sped up. So um, I've been listening to some talks by Retail Week and some other big um, corporations over the last couple of weeks. And actually a lot of the trends that they are seeing across the whole retail landscape, they predicted to happen in 2022 and 2023. But actually retailers are having to react to that really quickly now because consumers are ready for that online journey immediately. Yeah, I think that I think one of the biggest kind of points to add on to that, I know something that we actually caught up on uh, kind of late last week, Brett, was I think we may have touched on it in the last session was um, exactly, you know, retailers like that who are mainly on the high street, Primark, you cannot, they don't yeah. have a, they, they have no digital presence, they don't have an online store, those guys are really struggling right now and, you know, whether they're going to recoup that out, out the back of this is a different story if, you know, the percentage of online sales is, is increasing, then, you know, I know that certainly my partner will never stop shopping at Primark because she loves it, but the fact <laughs> that she's had, you know, the options to go and buy elsewhere may reduce her average order value over time and I think they'll really start to feel the pinch over the next couple of years. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think one 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 of the things, I guess, uh, on top of that, like we're we're starting to see like a lot of businesses that maybe hadn't considered, I guess, like the the, uh, the affiliate marketing channel starting to move uh, things. So our new business team are still quite busy, actually, with 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 a lot of new mer- merchants uh, signing up. And I think what's happening actually is there's probably diversification. I think in some sectors of of the amount of retails that people are willing to consider. So we have. Um, for for SMEs and startups, we have um, a tier of of, um, of access to our network called uh, what's called AWIN Access, um, and we we sort of I, quite early on, I think the decision was made to go and um, to go and waive some of the setup fees and, and and to allow more businesses to go and at least um, supplement potentially stuff that they were getting through more offline focused channels online, and we've we've seen like a big uptake in in, in obviously small businesses entering the channel, but then also like growth of a lot of small retailers i know joelle's been doing lots of research into like loads of retailers which were potentially some of the the smallest on their network who are now sort of starting to hit like the top 20s and stuff in in terms of that and i think it i think yeah there's i think as potentially people were going to these big sort of one size fits all um sort of websites like you might go to a grocery store and um, and to get all your goods, but because there's so much difficulty in the, in the operational side of there, I think people are now going to niche things. So um, I think yeah, this week we spotted that there was loads of like um, independent like coffee roasters who have online uh, channels who who started seeing like sort of big increases because I guess people want their coffee. They're not willing to wait the 
two weeks maybe to get their delivery there and they're going to these more niche retailers and i think that's really really sort of it, it, it potentially it's, it's also it's almost a way you're being able to be support local businesses but online which i think has been something that's sort of been a struggle it's always been i guess at, like your your big sort of companies that are online like your amazons versus the small businesses on that side yeah that's a real it's a really good point alex and i think we we, we were sort of feeling the same you know to it's a real opportunity for everyone to kind of go back to basics and back to the regional kind of butchers and kind of all these different things and if it's probably been the sort of kick that these smaller independents have needed to, to really just make that little investment in their online presence so they can take advantage of that. I mean, there was a, you, you mentioned Amazon there. I know there was a, there was a big announcement um, last week or a week before where Amazon have just sliced or slashed all of their affiliate commission by kind of like 80%. They've switched off pretty much all of the Google ad budget, which is like 20% of Google's revenue. I'm led to believe. Um, and, and, and they've basically just said, well, you know, everyone's coming to us, so we don't need to pay for that traffic or, or reward people as much as we maybe have done previously. Uh, have you seen a big impact of that, which, like you say, this has pushed people onto more, you know, networks like Airwin and, and created new opportunities for you guys? Um, yeah, it's massively. So, so I think since the lockdown happened, we've seen more publishers uh, signing up. Um, so I think um, across AWIN and our sort of US network share of sale, we've seen an increase of 150% um, compared to January and February's averages on publisher signups. And I think the Amazon news, which at the moment has only affected the US and I think Germany, um, obviously has made a bit huge impact. So we saw a huge surge um, in the past few weeks there. And um, yeah, so we, we are seeing a lot more uh, publishers who are reliant, who historically were reliant on um, Amazon's partner program, move to AWIN to go and get more diversity of advertisers. And we've um, um, we've we've been sort of doing putting rolling out initiatives to support that. So we've now got like an accelerated approval process to get on the network because we we have um, a number of compliance checks in place. Um, but we've just put some more resource into that team to just ensure that we're able to deal with the surge of applications. Um, and we've also, um, one of the things I guess is um, there's obviously a huge, on Amazon, it's a one-stop all solution. So we've now got um, a report where publishers are able to put in a product and see what retailers are selling it um, on the AWIN network so that they can move their links across. But we're, AWIN's part of um, the Axel Springer group, um, who obviously a media uh, house collection in, in Europe. And uh, a number of the um our partners within that group. Um, so they've got, got people like Idealo, who are a price comparison site and Business Insider. They're they're def- they're putting huge sort of efforts into moving away from from things like Amazon and, and moving to AWIN advertisers, just because um, there's a bit more security there and there's not that huge dominance. I think there where uh, Amazon cutting their commissions is, is is already a huge hit to their bottom line, sort of overnight, really. Yeah, it's a bit mm-hmm. so your eggs are all in one basket with Amazon, isn't it? Whereas I suppose with you guys, there's a lot, you know, that that's mitigated that threat and it's it's spread across so many different different publishers. Yeah. Joel, is this something you're seeing across retail, I'm sure, as well? Yeah, definitely. So I think some of the biggest cuts that um Amazon made were the home and garden rate. So they were paying about eight percent and that's dropped to three percent. And obviously April and May are the peak months for home and garden. So I think we see about 40% of all sales in that sector alone in the next couple of months. So it's really key for those publishers to be getting the income in where they can, especially the more niche publishers that do focus purely on that area. 
Um, and groceries was the second biggest cut that Amazon made. So it went from 5% down to 1%. Um, and, and again, the, the publishers need their revenue at this time. Um, and I know the IAB is saying that digital ad spend is down by about a third over the last month or so since COVID. But as Alex mentioned um, on AWIN, our commission rates are up on average about 25%. And that that's not... T- to do with AWIN specifically, we work with individual brands and they set their own commission rates and they are plugging more money into the channel as a whole because, you know, it, it is a risk-free opportunity and um, it is where our consumers are at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, that, that's it. I suppose the, the value that, yeah, it's a great point. The value that, you know, the brands and the, and the, and the advertisers are now going to be putting on publishers is just is, is so much more important, isn't it? And and I suppose if, if if we're a brand and, you know, you're happy to slice a little bit more of that margin off to incentivize publishers to to funnel as much of that traffic through them as possible, then then you absolutely would be doing that, wouldn't you? I think, um, again, we, we, we had a chat with a lot of clients on a performance marketing basis and said, you know, there's, there's aspirational kind of ROI targets and then there's kind of profitable ROI targets and, you know, these aspirational targets might not apply over the next six, eight weeks because the world's in in an unusual place. So, you know, drop those to a level which are profitable, but but kind of keep the lights on. And actually, we might be able to drive some growth, which we've seen for a lot of clients because they've they've lowered that that level that we can can shoot for and and help perform for them. So um, so it makes sense that people take that into affiliate as well. I think... Yeah, I mean... yeah, go on, Alex. I was, I was just, I was just about to say ROI. ROI always tends to be, I guess, the the key differentiator of, of the affiliate channel, just because you you are paying on on a sale and stuff, so you can really link it. So it is a pro- really profitable ROI um, and stuff like that. So I think, yeah, the 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 sort of the amount, the, the levels of ROI across the advertisers on the network have have remained sort of relatively consistent, if not improved, because um because yeah the fixed spend is being uh, blended across more sales um but yeah and i suppose just just finally guys how easy it would it be for for anybody any of the participants attendees today if they're not currently set up on airwin you know you mentioned earlier you've got an accelerated program where you're kind of approving them faster than ever before what broadly or briefly what does that kind of process look like and how easy is that for people to get switched on is this something that they can be doing in you know 72 hours does this take two weeks is this just just for anybody who's not not used to that yeah so i suppose that varies from a publisher and advertiser perspective um if you're a publisher we can get you on within a, a day at the moment that's part of the, that accelerated program um and that's just getting you onto our network making sure that we run our compliance checks um, and then we have dedicated teams across every territory um, that we operate in who support publishers in just understanding how to use our platform, um, the um, our tracking links, but we also have a lot of tracking tools that speed up and automate that process for you guys um, and just understanding our general reporting and most importantly, the advertisers in which you want to promote. Um, from an advertiser perspective, it can take a little bit longer just because of the, the tracking that's necessary on the advertiser side, um, contracts, paperwork, those bits and bobs. But but generally, we we're, we're a pretty fast paced company um, with a with a lot of resource on our side. So yeah, advertisers maybe a couple of weeks, but yeah, definitely something that we're keen to make sure that we we make the most of at the moment, and we we all support each other where we can. 
Yeah. From an advertiser's side, they, you can, depending on how your site's set up, you can have like faster integrations for the tracking though. So we've got um, plugins on Shopify Magento, as well as a Google Tag Manager plugin, which um, usually, if, if, if depending on how, how uh, complex the integration, it can, I think you can sort of get the tracking implemented implemented like within a few clicks there but it, it, it's sort of depending on how you want to run your program depending on how complex the the whole um setup will be great okay and this is open i think another bit misconception for us is this this is not just a product retail perspective this can be driven through b2b markets as well on like a, a cost per lead sort of agreed commission sort of process i'm sure a lot of yours will probably yeah. work that way alex yeah. So, um, yeah. So like in insurance, a lot of them are doing CPA stuff, but then, yeah, we have like, um, our CPL stuff. So, um, yeah, you can run it on a, on a CPL basis. Um, if you're doing CPL, we've got a number of different ways that you can do it as well. So it can either be through your own site or we can, um, also do it, do it. So it goes through like lead verification, um, as well to just make sure that, um, obviously if you're paying a, a, a cost of lead there, you, you obviously want to make sure that those leads are, are as high quality as possible. Absolutely. Okay, Ben. Anything you want to kind of add before we sort of wrap up? Um, I think the guys have kind of stolen my thunder a little bit. <laughs> um, yeah, I think just to, just to kind of summarise, I think you know some of the points that the guys have been making pretty much follow exactly what what we've been saying. You know, we're talking about um, you know increases in in exercise equipment and that kind of thing. We we have a, a, a client who who sells bikes and they saw a dramatic increase when when everyone started to go into lockdown because it's one of the only ways you can really get out the house. So you know the the trends I think across whether it is affiliates or whether it is Google search or shopping or or social or whatever it is, they are starting to follow the same kind of pattern, um, which is good. It means that audiences are reacting the same way on every single platform. And uh, it allows for, it, it, it makes our lives a little bit easier um, because there is one trend that we have to follow rather than six or seven different trends. But I think just making sure that everyone is, whether you are you know, working with an agency or, or whether you're kind of an independent doing it yourself, just keeping an eye on those trends to make sure that they, they do follow the same pattern and that you're jumping on them at the right time is it, just going to be crucial over the next couple of weeks. Absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, Joel and, and, and Alex. I really appreciate your time this morning. Thank you again to all of the attendees and, and, and participants for today. I think, you know, for us, uh, affiliate is a really exciting channel, you know, and it's, it's, it's a channel that I think has got a ton of growth in it for a lot of businesses. And it's, it's going to become even more important, important moving forwards in the next the next six months or so as, as more and more of those new audiences move online and consume content in, in different publishers and not just those big areas. So definitely don't put all your eggs in one basket is I think the message from today. And and, and for, by all means, reach out to, to Ben and the guys or, or we'll send around Joel and Alex's details for you guys to, to reach out if there's anything you want to do following this and we'll we'll send around a record and a podcast on that. Um, I think in terms of our next drop-in, um, it's going to be on Tuesday, uh, 11.30 on April 30th. And we're going to have MediaWorks Head of Search, Kev Strong. We're going to have our CTO, Dan Hogan. And we're going to be discussing SEO priorities around that businesses should be acting on now to ensure they create a competitive advantage uh, advantage in preparation for the recovery in Q3, which we're all very confident, hopefully, is well on route with some of these stats from today. So thank you very much, guys. And if there's any questions we didn't get to, we'll follow those up directly afterwards. And um, yeah, stay safe, enjoy, and thank you very much for your time.